Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. What a moment. Praise God. And thanks for coming out. Thanks for Yeah, let's give God some praise. Thank you, Lord. We acknowledge your presence among us. And thanks to you for coming out and welcome to those worshiping online and worshiping all around the world. My name is Dennis, one of the pastors. This is week number 2 of our current January series of Modern Love. Today, we're looking at the subject of marriage. This message is for those who are married, those who want to be married, and those who are sorry that they're married. <laughs> There are three stages of marriage: lust, rust, and dust, and you <laughs> figure out which one you're in today. It's been said that marriage is made in heaven. So is thunder and lightning. <laughs> Getting married is easy. It's living together that's so difficult. <laughs> But our culture promotes this mystical magical view of marriage, doesn't it? It begins at courtship. Some enchanted evening, you will see a stranger, right? Across a crowded room. And you begin to talk and then perhaps it's then you begin to date and And then you begin to hang out all the time and then there's the proposal and you're engaged and then you set a date for the wedding and then the day comes and you invite all your friends to come out and it's just a great uplifting ceremony and for some of the couples who are really creative they go ahead and they write their own vows that's always interesting as a preacher especially to watch the faces of people and I can just see a couple standing before me and saying something very emotional, a little cheesy, like my only regret is that I'm limited with one lifetime to spend with you. <laughs> and then there's the kiss and then there's the reception and the cake and the pictures and the dance and then they're whisked off to some tropical paradise where they spend their time waking up to roses on the pillow sitting out in the hot sun drinking cappuccino in the morning <laughs> feeding each other slices of fruit and then after a week they're back in snowy vandalia in a two bedroom apartment looking across this table to someone they hardly recognize from those wedding pictures <laughs> arguing who's going to clean the litter pan or take out the trash. <laughs> And you ask the question, what happened? <laughs> One guy said marriage is a lot like a hot bath. Once you get used to it, it's not so hot. <laughs> Some of you are thinking that's true, pastor. Some of you have a lot of emotions even in approaching this subject. When you heard I was going to be talking about it, perhaps you said in your spirit as it was stiff in a little bit now if miller gets up there and he talks about just this happily ever after kind of stuff i'm going to be really ticked off because that's not all that marriage is 
And if that's what you're thinking today, that's true. That's not all that marriage is. That marriage can be very difficult. So here at Gingsburg, what we try to do is get very practical, apply the truth of God's written word to our lives here today, that it's not just information, but it's transformation. So there are a lot of different ways that we could approach this message today, and I just decided to highlight a couple things of marriage that will help our marriages last a lifetime. I'm going to jump right into it if you're taking notes today. And this is for not just those who are married, but for all in, in many ways. So as you can see, perhaps from the screen, it already came up. Number one is serve each other. Serve one another. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul is writing to believers in the Roman colony of Philippi. And he says this that I believe can certainly be applied to couples. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now look at verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I want to highlight again verse 4, because certainly it's a truth for all relationships, but particularly can be applied to marriage. Don't look at your own interest simply. Simply just focus on yourself, although it's important to know yourself. It's important to take care of yourself. He's not saying dismiss yourself. But he's saying, make sure to look at others' interests too. Now, I'm not a marriage counselor. Here we have the beautiful gift of new creation counseling center that we refer people to. But as a pastor, and people come in, I say, I'm your pastor. And so I can guide you into counseling if there's a need for that. I can share truth, but I've been doing this for uh, years and years and years, and so people will often come and they'll talk about their marriage, but they'll talk about what they're not getting. It's usually me-focused, like, she doesn't do this, or she doesn't do that, or he treats me like this. This is how I'm not being fulfilled in this relationship. Paul is saying, take the attitude that Christ Jesus had how he humbled himself, and he goes on in this passage, even to the cross, to the point of death. He gave his life. This is sacrifice. This is servanthood. All of us have a wedding story. Rachel and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary this summer. So three decades. Thank you. August the 13th, 1994, we were married at Asbury Theological Seminary, south of Lexington, Kentucky. We were both in graduate school at the time, and so we were married at the chapel, which when I say chapel, don't think small little church. This was a large sanctuary, a beautiful sanctuary in Estes. In fact, a very famous couple were married there as well. Uh, Pastor Fitz and Marcy were married in Estes Chapel later on. 
But we were married in 1994, and I'll never forget Dr. Quentin Schultz, who was our pastor, Rachel's hometown pastor, gave instructions at the rehearsal, which would have been on the 12th of August, the day before, as he gathered her and her father, Bob, in the back of the church and was giving her some instructions on what to do. Now, Rachel, what you need to do is that when the organist plays, it's your time. You'll walk down the aisle. You'll stop at the altar. You'll turn towards Dennis, and you'll, on my cue, give your life to him. And so she's thinking about that, and the next day she's thinking, now, Quentin told me that that as I go down the aisle, I'll stop at the altar and I'll pledge my life to him. And so as she's making her way down in the procession, she's saying to herself, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. But friends, that's not the way that Mary should go, right? We shouldn't have to alter anybody. We are called to serve one another, to give our lives completely to one another. Instead of trying to alter one another, let's try to serve one another. Turn with me again to one of the Pauline epistles, Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Now, this is a well-known passage often used in premarital counseling. It's often used at weddings, although in some circles today it's not popular. There are some churches that no longer read this or teach from this because it has been abused over the years, this passage. Here at Gingsburg, we're going to teach the whole Bible that applies to us, and certainly this does. So, the passage begins, the theme begins in verse 21. I'm reading from the contemporary English version where the Apostle Paul says to couples, honor Christ and put others first. The NIV translates a little differently, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Out of love for Christ, submit yourselves, husbands and wives, to one another. And then he breaks it down and he speaks a word to the wives first and then he speaks a word to the husbands. And verse 22, he speaks to the wives. And this is the passage that some churches, because it's been abused so much, they they don't bring up. But yet Paul says it and he says it for a reason. And so I share that with you. He says, A wife, verse 22, should put her husband first as she does the Lord. Of course, the more traditional language in the King James says, submit yourself to your husband as to the Lord. And so that's been abused over the years because husbands have said, well, you got to obey me in every situation because I said, because right there in the word, no, it says as into the Lord. He's very clear that we are honoring our spouse to the Lord. Because look at verse 25, which I'm a husband, so this really is what I'm concerned about today. He, he then flips the coin. He says, a husband should love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Now, here's the question. How much did Christ love the church? <laughs> he died for the church. He gave his very life for the church. 
He gave it all. No greater love than this than a person laid down their life for their friends. And so here's the word. There's a mutual honoring going on here, a giving your life away. Yes, looking at your own interests, sure. Paul mentions that, but not just your own interests, the interests of others. This is the attitude of a healthy marriage. It's an attitude of servanthood. It's the attitude of Jesus. It's the attitude that he gives in all loving relationships and is the model for Christian marriages. And it happens when we start out often with our best intentions. Right? Again, if I may use personal, when Rachel and I were, we were dating in seminary, she was living in Lexington. I was pastoring a church in Ohio, but commuting back, and I would stay in the dormitory at Asbury in Grice Hall. I think the name was Hall, Grice. That, that, that was the seminary, right? That was the, the dorm. And, and so once in a while, Rachel, she was living in an apartment. She'd say, hey, Dennis, could you come over and you could, could you help me with this? And, you know, I would say, well, well sure, I'd be happy to do it. Uh, it's, it's only about an hour through the traffic in the Lexington, but, but, that's, but that's no problem. I only have a Greek exam tomorrow, and I have a funeral the next day, and I have a sermon, but, but, but I'll be there, hug, hug, kiss, kiss, hug, hug, you know. Now, why was I very eager to do that? Because I loved her. I, I was ready to be her husband, you see. After we got married... I'd be out and Rachel says, you know, when you get home, I, I, I just can't reach this book on the shelf. Could you just reach that for me? That's all I need. Why can't you get it yourself? <laughs> Don't you see I'm a busy pastor? <laughs> what happened? I lost my servant heart, right? Marriages are not... 50-50, it's 100-100. It's not, well, if you do this, I'll do this. Even when we failed, Jesus came and died for us. And the model is Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he begins this way. He begins by saying, honor one another out of love for Christ and serve one another. That's the model that we have here from the book of Ephesians for us today. Love your spouse as much as Christ loved the church. How much did he love the church? <laughs> he gave it all. Number two, as we serve, I want to encourage you to treasure one another in your relationship. Treasure one another. Be intentional about that. Be honoring to one another. And what does honor mean? There's no person greater in my life on this earth than you. You take the place of honor. In the Asian society, traditionally, in the Oriental society, we have this bow, right? What is that to say? I, 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 I put you in a place of respect. I honor you. We even express that when we exchange rings. At least in our Methodist tradition, in the official ring exchange. Now, I know some people write their own these days, but if we look at our old book of worship, the words are this. And I know them by heart because I've officiated many <laughs> ceremonies over the years. As they place the ring on their finger, the words are, now listen, I give you this ring 
as a sign of my vow. And with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. With all that I have and all that I am, I put you in that place. There's no person greater in this world on earth than you. And when we honor another person, when we treasure another person, we're actually honoring God and we're honoring ourselves. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Because we believe that in marriage, it is much more than a physical union or a legal union, but there's a spiritual union. That's what Jesus taught. Look with me. And the words won't be on the screen. You just have to listen or look in Matthew chapter 19. Sometimes people say, well, Jesus really, I follow Jesus and Jesus never really said much about marriage. Oh, yes, he did in several places. And here's one. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is being asked about divorce. He goes back to Genesis, to the creation account And he says words that many of us, if we've attended weddings in our age, have heard these words that are often said at Christian weddings today. Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 4. Now, hear these words. Again, Jesus is talking about marriage. He goes back to creation. So, he's saying marriage is an institution that is rooted in creation. He says, haven't you read, verse 4, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I'll repeat that. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. And then he says these words that we've often heard at weddings. They're the words of Jesus. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so what Jesus is saying here is that there is a spiritual union that takes place in that holy moment. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? And so when we honor our spouse, we're also honoring ourselves We're honoring this holy covenant that we've made together. We do that in many different ways. We can even do it through treasuring each other in language, how we speak to one another, how how we treat one another. Let's be a church that has treasuring language. I'm going to teach you some treasuring language, not just in our marriage, but just in our relationships, okay? And because we're a, a church based upon Certainly, it's on Jesus, but on the written word, I want to just read Scripture to you. Okay? Is that okay? So, turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Here's some treasuring language, and I'll just use the the text here. Now, this this is the young woman speaking to her husband in this text here. It says this, Kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How fragrant your cologne, how pleasing your name. No wonder all the young women love you. 
So that's treasuring language. Do we use that kind of language? When was the last time that you said that to your spouse? <laughs> Something like that. Instead of, well, you don't smell too bad today. <laughs> Did you brush your teeth? Your breath stinks this morning. No, how beautiful you smell. <laughs> right, this is the wife talking to the husband, right? <laughs> now, it, it, gets even, it gets even more powerful here. I just love this. Again, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't make this up. I, I just read these words, okay? Look at verse 1 through 7 of chapter 4. You're going to love this. This is, this is now the young man speaking to his, his wife here. He says this. I'm throwing it in just for the guys here, all right? You can use this at home, all right? <laughs> How beautiful you are, my love. How beautiful. Your eyes are those of doves. Your hair falls across your face like the flocks of goats that frisk across the slopes of Gilead. <laughs> your teeth are white as sheep's wool, newly sworn and washed, perfectly matched, not without one missing. <laughs> well, at least those words work in Kentucky, where my wife's from, right? <laughs> I'm going to hear about that later. <laughs> he goes on. I'm not done yet. This gets good here. Your lips are like a thread of scarlet. How beautiful your mouth. Your cheeks are matchless loveliness behind your locks. Your neck, I love this, is stately as the Tower of David, jeweled with a thousand hero shields. Your breasts are like twin fawns of a gazelle feeding among the lilies. No comment on that. <laughs> Again, I don't write them, I just read them now. Until the morning dawns and the shadows flee away, I will go to the mountain of Muir and to the hill of frankincense. You are so beautiful, my love, in every part of you. Now, we don't talk like that anymore, do we? But maybe we should. <laughs> maybe there needs to be a little more treasuring involved. So practice that men at home and ladies at home to your spouse, to your partner. Practice those words. But we can do that treasuring in many different ways. An unexpected text in the middle of the day just to say nothing but I'm proud of you. I believe in you. A card stuffed in a suitcase when your spouse is going off on a work trip that they'll be surprised by. A wink across a crowded room like the sanctuary when you catch that person's eye and no one else knows but the two of you. Maybe at a movie or maybe on the couch, a hand reach over to take the person's hand, not expecting anything more than that, not expecting anything physical, but just to say, I love you. Perhaps creating a date night and guarding it with your life, no matter what else comes up, those are ways of treasuring your spouse. I want to say a word back to those who are dating I said a lot last week, but I want to say, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than someone who will honor you 
and treasure you and say there's nothing more important, not a football, not a motorcycle, not this hobby or this work, there's nothing more important in this world than you. I honor you with all that I am. Remember the ring? And all that I have, I honor you. Now, there are a lot of songs that try to capture that. If you think about it, many love songs are self-centered, right? I need you. I want you. I can't live without you, baby. <laughs> right? Now, who's the subject of that? Me, myself, and I. I, 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 I. But true love gives our lives away. One song I really like over the last few years that I believe captures a Christian understanding of marriage, especially what we're talking about, through the flaws and shortcomings and the wonder of God's agape love beyond circumstances. It's a song written by a guy that grew up not far from this church, about 25 miles in Springfield. Many of you know him by his name John Legend. The song is All of Me. And the words are really powerful that speak to us today about committed love. And I've asked Keenan and Chris if they would remind us of those words. And then I'm going to come back and I want to talk about them for a minute before we close. All of me loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. Give your all to me, and I'll give my all to you, because you're my end and my. Even when I lose, I'm winning Cause I give you I give you 
Thank you, Keenan. I give you all of me, not 50% of me. I give you all of me, not just if you give this, I'll give this. We'll meet in the middle, but, but I give you all of me. I love those words, all your curves. Yes, we like the curves, but all your edges. And then he says this perfect line, all your perfect imperfections. Even when we get older, that's true love. That's committed love. That's love as Jesus loves. I think of my parents, Bill and Nancy Miller. This summer they'll celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. I think I'm modeling my life off of them. At least they've given me the model, although I fail. I've talked about my dad over and over again lately because of his health struggles, 92 years old. His body is twisted, it's been broken. Both parents use walkers or canes, and yet still you'll see them reaching over and taking one another's hands. Now listen, God in Christ Jesus twisted his body for each of us to show us how to really love, to give us a model of loving. And God loves us even when we've been unlovable. And in Christ, we become family. We become his child. And today, we have this model of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who gave it all for us that we might model that in our relationships of serving and treasuring because those are the things that make marriage last a lifetime. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here in this room. And I thank you, Lord, for the families that are represented here and for those who have become spiritually one in marriage. We ask that you will bless them, that you will continue to um, bring them closer together, that they may never let go. We also pray for those who are seeking a relationship like this, Lord, that you'll, in your time, in your way, that you will make that clear and open and close doors. But for all of our relationships in our family, single or married, we ask, Lord, that we will demonstrate your love in service and honor, for we do it for Jesus, our King. Bless us now and send us forth, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.